Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn more about the program when you visit walkintruth.com. Hey, even though it's past Christmas Day, you can keep that spirit of Christmas going. Please join us for the next half hour as we return to the series on 1 Corinthians. Pastor Michael's teaching today is in chapter 8, and it's called Knowledge Puffs Up, Love Builds Up. Let's take a look together at the section, and then we'll come back and pray and break it down. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, Knowledge Puffs Up, Love Builds Up. I'm reading from the New American Standard. Paul writes, Now concerning things sacrificed to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge makes arrogant, but love edifies. 1 Corinthians 8.2 If anyone supposes that he knows anything, he is not yet known as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by him. Therefore, concerning the eating of things sacrificed to idols, we know that there is no such thing as an idol in the world, and there is no God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom are all things, and we exist for him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we exist through him. However, not all men have this knowledge, but some being accustomed to the idol until now eat food as if it were sacrificed to an idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled. But food will not commend us to God. We are neither the worse if we do not eat, nor the better if we do eat. But take care that this liberty of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if someone sees you who have knowledge dining in an idol's temple, will not his conscience, if he is weak, be strengthened to eat things sacrificed to idols? For through your knowledge, he who is weak is ruined, the brother for whose sake Christ died. And so by sinning against the brethren and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food causes my brother to stumble... I will never eat meat again, so that I will not cause my brother to stumble. Well, Father, as we consider your word, we do need to understand the historical context of what Paul's talking about, and we will delve into that. But one of the things that jumps out right away is that knowledge can really puff us up. We can think that we've arrived. We can even believe that our theology can drive us to decisions that may not be good for others. And we could have the right theology, but misapply it. And so I I pray that we would have soft and pliable hearts. I pray that we would realize that we don't know everything we think we know. And the Corinthians had become proud in their knowledge, and they were a relatively young church. And it would seem that they were even challenging the Apostle Paul on their theological positions. Lord, we know that knowledge can puff us up, but love will build us and others up. May we be known by our love. May we do all things in love. May you help us, Lord, to be people who are building others up and not tearing them down, not making people feel small or foolish, but rather 
we'd be in the building up business. And I pray that today would accomplish that purpose for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray and all God's people said, amen. Now you'll notice at the beginning of chapter 8, verse 1, the subject is introduced now, 8.1, concerning things sacrificed to idols. So there you have the subject that will actually encompass the next three chapters. So uh, 1 Corinthians 8, 9, and 10 delve into this subject of what we might consider idol food or food that's been sacrificed to idols. Now this may seem a little bit bizarre to some of you, but in the ancient world when uh, there were all these pagan temples and all these opportunities to honor gods and goddesses aplenty, they were everywhere. In fact, when the Apostle Paul went to Athens, Greece, he passed through a place called the Agora or the marketplace. This would be kind of an ancient shopping center or mall. And when he passed through there, scholars believe that Paul encountered 3,000 altars to various gods and goddesses. And he even found an altar to the unknown God. (laughs) And scholars believe that maybe they had that there just in case they had missed one, as though 3,000 gods and goddesses were not enough, right? But just in case they missed one, they had one to the unknown God. And Paul used that, but... But when Paul was going through the city in Acts 17, it says that Paul was annoyed, basically. He was jealous for God because he saw the city of Athens in a forest of idols or literally swimming under idols or literally drowning under the idols. And there are people in other parts of the world that have imbibed the idea that there are perhaps millions, even billions of gods and goddesses that have to be appeased and sacrifices often were given to these gods so that good could come to an individual life or a community. And it got so bad in the ancient world that the ancient world would sacrifice even sometimes their own children to these gods to try to get fertility blessings. And Israel was warned. God said to Israel, I do not want you to duplicate the detestable practices of those nations. In fact, that's why I'm driving them out of the land and giving the land to you. Do not learn their ways. Do not imitate their ways. But idolatry is a very contemporary issue, and you're going to see why in a moment. And these gods and goddesses, what they would do is they would sacrifice an animal to them. And they they believed that somehow in doing that, they would have favor from the god. People lived in fear. They lived in fear of elemental spirits and what these gods and goddesses might do to them or withhold from them. So people in the ancient world were very superstitious. Well, Paul came into Corinth and he preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. He preached the fact that there's only one true and living God and people turn from idols to the living God. Praise the Lord. But even though they had, they still had to deal with a culture that was still immersed in all of this stuff. And with multiple temples in Corinth, there was an ever-present temptation to kind of re-embrace that lifestyle. In fact, in the ancient Greek and Roman world, There were guilds or clubs. They were very popular, and they were often connected, these guilds or clubs, with a deity. People in the business world might receive an invitation to an event that occurred at a pagan temple or a room associated with that temple. 
Several invitations from the ancient world have been discovered where the God is beckoning guests to come and celebrate at the temple or to commemorate uh, events like weddings, birthdays, rites of passage ceremonies or parties, election parties, and even funerals. Others were overtly cultic feasts, for example, celebrating the God's birthday. People from lower classes knew that meat almost exclusively would be available to them at these particular events. And if you were in in a lower class, you might not even have access to meat or indeed it was somewhat of a delicacy where the rich would have access to it more often. Maybe the only way that you would have access to meat is if you went to one of these kind of celebrations. And so the Corinthian church had all these people who had come out of this scene, but there were business relationships. And in fact, if you got an invitation to one of these events, and let's say that people in your guild or your club or your business had invited you, and you said no, you might now hurt your business or you might hurt your social standing. So there was a lot of pressure in the Corinthian culture to kind of compromise and go back to these places. And they would say something like this, well, now that we know that there's only one true and living God, and now we know that an idol is really nothing in the world, we can go back. But we can go back with our Christian knowledge, and they might say something like this. Uh, This is what Leon Morris shared. You know, what does it matter if I eat a meal before a block of wood or a hunk of stone? Since I know that thing's nothing anyway... Can I just do that with my knowledge? And Paul's going to say, no. It's not as simple as that. Now, let me just pause for a second. And for those of you who have studied this chapter, let me tell you that there's a couple major views. There's a traditional view that sees 1 Corinthians 8 kind of like a parallel to Romans 14. And that essentially, 1 Corinthians 8 is just simply uh, another argument about matters of opinion. You know, what you eat, what you drink what you wear, days of worship. And so so some believe that it's just a parallel chapter to Romans 14. But I would argue that that's not quite accurate. I believe that 1 Corinthians 8 is more than just matters of opinion. I believe actually 1 Corinthians 8 is a dire warning to a group of first century Christians who believe it's okay to toy again with paganism, idolatry, and potentially even demonic activity. And I'm going to show you why in a moment. And I'm going to ask you to put your thinking cap on as a Christian in a modern uh, culture and ask yourself this question. What would be the modern application for a Christian who knows Christ, has been delivered by Christ, knows there's only one true and living God, but then goes back to the world to toy with it? Now, the Corinthians had made a theological decision. They believed their theology was on firm footing. So they believed they were justified in going back to the pagan temples because of their theology. But friends, you can have right theology and misapply it. You can have the right theology and believe that you've arrived, but you could be wrong in the way that you are living out your faith. And there are a lot of people you know, have you heard the old saying that a certain person has just enough knowledge to be dangerous? Well, I think that's what was going on with the Corinthians. 
they thought that they had arrived. And there is evidence here, reading between the lines, that they are actually having a theological debate with the Apostle Paul and challenging him that he's wrong and they're right. A reminder that this is a listener-supported ministry. Please give what you can when you visit walkintruth.com. If you can give a one-time gift of $360 or give $30 monthly, you'll partner with us to get this program on more stations, some secular, in 2020. We'll also make it so we can do more free apologetic events to equip the community. Learn how to donate on walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH during normal business hours. That's 844-48-TRUTH. You can now listen to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance wherever you go and whenever you want. That's because Walk in Truth can now be heard on your favorite podcast app. Apps like iPodcast, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and much more. Simply open up your favorite podcast app and search Walk in Truth. Make sure you subscribe so you'll know when a new show is available. Thanks for listening and partnering with Walk in Truth. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. Now, the Corinthians had made a theological decision. They believed their theology was on firm footing. So they believed they were justified in going back to the pagan temples because of their theology. But friends, you can have right theology and misapply it. You can have the right theology and believe that you've arrived, but you could be wrong in the way that you are living out your faith. And there are a lot of people, you know, have you heard the old saying that a certain person has just enough knowledge to be dangerous? Well, I think that's what was going on with the Corinthians. They thought that they had arrived, and there is evidence here reading between the lines, that they are actually having a theological debate with the Apostle Paul and challenging him that he's wrong and they're right. If you are having arguments with your Bible and, and saying to God, I think I'm right, I'm not sure you got it right on this one, Lord. I've been walking with you for five years now. You may want to check yourself. And that's what was going on with the Corinthians. In fact, uh, verse 1 in the NIV says, Now about food sacrifice to idols, we know that we all possess knowledge. Knowledge puffs up. Love builds up. You know, you, you get some knowledge as a Christian, and maybe you think, oh man, I, I know how many of you have memorized the books of the Bible in order? Man, I know Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and you, you can start rattling the, I even know the song. Wow. And, and you can, maybe you've studied a book of the Bible for a while and you feel like, oh, I've arrived and I've got a good understanding of this book. I've had theological positions that I had as a young Christian. I've had to rethink some of them over the years because sometimes we only look at one point of view or we hear one pastor talk about a subject and then we hear another perspective and we go, hmm, that sounds plausible as well. So here's where the Corinthians were getting themselves in trouble. And I think there's something else here that we need to see. I think they were using their theology 
standing on their theology to justify their compromise. You see, if I started to say no to the invitations from the guilds or the clubs to these temples, it could cost me financially. It could cost my social standing. And so if I had a theological reason to justify my actions, then I don't have to give up anything. But if I can't justify my actions theologically, now all of a sudden it might cost me something in the culture. I might have to make some hard decisions or draw some firm boundaries that maybe I didn't draw before in terms of what is acceptable and what is not acceptable. And that's where your Christian life gets difficult. When you have to decide about a hard boundary that actually might cost you something in terms of a social setting or even a financial consideration. This is, this is hard stuff, but this is where Paul is going. Now, I said the, the next three chapters deal with this. Flip over to chapter 10. Let me show you how Paul develops this, and we'll just touch on this. He says these things. Now, 1 Corinthians 10, 6 says, now, he's using Israel as an example. These things, 10, 6, happen as examples for us that we should not crave evil things all as they also craved. And do not be, what's your Bible say? Idolaters, as some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and stood up to play. Therefore, my beloved, flee from what? Idolatry. It sounds like it's still a current issue for New Testament Christians. Go down for the sake of time to verse 19. What do I mean then? That a thing sacrificed to uh, idols is anything or that an idol is anything? No. But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, that's non-believers, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to become sharers in demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Or do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? We are not stronger than he, are we? Do you notice that Paul is saying that even though an idol, back to chapter 8, is nothing in the world, demons, and there is a spirit world that the Bible says is real, demons somehow use idols or false religion to mess with people. And when Israel was opening up themselves to demonic activity and idolatry of the surrounding nations, they opened themselves up to demonic activity. I want to pause here for a second and say to you, just because you're a Christian does not mean if you open the door to demonic activity. Let me give you an example. If you're a Christian and let's say somebody invited you to a seance and you say, oh, I'm going to go because this, this stuff is hogwash anyway or I don't believe it. And let's say that you go to that. Well, all of a sudden, what you've done is you've opened yourself up to a place where people are actually calling into the spirit world, but if something answers, it's potentially demonic. And I don't know what the Lord's going to do with you in that kind of situation, but I'll say this to you. If you mess with it, look out, because the Lord might teach you some really hard lessons right there. 
And you can see that this is not, this chapter and these three chapters are not simply about what are you going to eat, what are you going to drink, what are you going to wear. Some people think they can drink wine, some people say no, some people eat meat, some people don't, some people eat vegetables only. This is not a matter of opinion section. This is about Paul saying to a group of people, the decision that you have made is based upon a knowledge that I'm going to tell you is off. You think you get it? Paul would say, you don't get it. You think that this is about your individual rights? Paul would argue, no, it's not. This is something much more serious. And I want to show you something that the Bible says about idols. It's found in Ezekiel 14. All right, so it's kind of like past the halfway point of the Old Testament. If you don't want to turn there, don't worry about it. This is Ezekiel 14, and this is regarding idols. This is what God says to Israel regarding idols. Ezekiel 14.3. As you turn, let me just explain what an idol is. An idol is something opposed to the true and living God. The Bible says it is lifeless and dumb. For Jews, idols and pagan gods were identical. The term connoted for both Jews and most Christians something detestable that is an idol. And Ezekiel is going to tell us a little bit more about what idols are and do. Ezekiel 14, look at verse 3. Son of man, these men, Ezekiel 14, 3, have set up their idols, where? In their hearts. And have put right before their faces the stumbling block of their iniquity. Should I be consulted by them at all? Therefore speak to them and tell them, God saying to Ezekiel, Tell the people of Israel, tell the leaders. Thus says the Lord God, any man of the house of Israel who sets up his idols in his heart puts right before his face the stumbling block of his iniquity. And then comes to the prophet, I, the Lord, will be brought to give him an answer in the matter in view of the multitude of his idols in order to lay hold of the hearts of the house of Israel who are, notice what the Bible says, estranged from me through their idols. Idols will ultimately estrange you from God. What's an idol? Apparently an idol is a matter of the heart. You're listening to Walk in Truth, and this was part one of Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Corinthians 8, entitled, Knowledge Puffs Up, Love Builds Up. A reminder that this is a listener-supported ministry. Please give what you can when you visit walkintruth.com. If you can give a one-time gift of $360 or give $30 monthly, you'll partner with us to get this program on more stations, some secular, in 2020. You'll also make it so we can do more free apologetic events to equip the community. Learn how to donate on walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH during normal business hours. That's 844-48-TRUTH. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, here we are at the end of a Christmas week. And uh, man, it's uh, it's interesting, isn't it? We we take a lot of time, if you're like me and my family, take a lot of time in preparation. You know, there's a lot of baking, a lot of food, um, presents, shopping, lights, decorating the house. And then it comes, and like my mom likes to say, you, know, you take hours to cook a meal and it's eaten in 20 minutes and you got to clean up. And Christmas can feel that way sometimes, Christmas week. Uh, maybe you can have some post-Christmas blues. 
But keep that Christmas spirit because Christmas for us as believers is all year long. Jesus is the greatest gift and he keeps on giving. He's given us the gift of the Holy Spirit. We can be filled with the Holy Spirit every day. We can bring the joy of the Lord every day, whether it's the 24th, 25th, 26th of December, January, February, whatever it is. We have the hope and we have the presence and we have the promises of the Lord. Don't lose that at all. Hey, I want to encourage you, for those of you who have been enjoying the Walk in Truth program, maybe you've kind of said, hey, this is everyday listening for me now. I'm telling people about it. Would you become a partner? Would you consider an end-of-the-year financial gift to us for our 2020 mission? We have people giving $30 a month and becoming really walk-in-truth partners. And we have people giving one-time donations, and maybe you want to do both. If you give a $360 donation, for example, that will cover a year of someone who would give a $30 monthly gift. And that will help us plan better and step out more in 2020. We want to reach as many people as possible. We're saying, we're praying, Lord, take this ministry wherever you want to take us and don't let lack of resources be a hindrance, please, Lord. And we know God is faithful to provide through his people. And if you would like to give, you can give online. You can go to walkintruth.com and give that way. Or you can mail in your donation to P.O. Box 2063, Corona, California, 92878. One more time. You can send a donation to P.O. Box 2063, Corona, California, 92878. I want to say thank you in advance for considering us during this great holiday season. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time on Walking Truth. Tune in tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's message in 1 Corinthians chapter 8 called Knowledge Puffs Up, Love Builds Up. I'm Mike Massaro. Hey, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. As always, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people.